JP Mac and welcome to JP's Dystopic Journal. Okay, today we are going to continue our discussion about the psychology of totalitarianism by Matthias Desmet. And what we're going to focus on today is how the uh, totalitarian system perpetuates itself. Um, so one of the key differences between the totalitarian system and say a dictatorship um, is that the dictatorship is run by a certain person, a, a particular person or a particular small group of individuals. Okay, and if you were to eliminate that person, then you would have a different government. Okay, it would not be the same form of government you could, um, like say when we got rid of Gaddafi, okay, when Gaddafi was killed in, in Libya, uh, that was the end of Libya as had existed under him. And now, post-Gaddafi, there's another sort of Libya. Not too great for the people there, but it's different. Okay. And juxtapose that um, to like um, Xi, right? Um, Prime Minister Xi of China, um, where he is the figurehead but he represents the rule of not him, not Xi, but of communism. Of course, you had something similar with, in the Soviet Union. Um, it kind of faltered a little bit, lost its way a little bit under Stalin. Stalin kind of made it about himself. He had his own cult of personality. But then after he died, that returned to the supremacy of the Communist Party in the Soviet Union. And so that's how these totalitarian regimes perpetuate themselves, uh, even despite the loss of their leaders. Whereas like in the case of Libya, you know, you lost uh, Libya, you know, they changed their government. And when the Shah of Iran uh, eventually was, um, well, he, he died in, and then he his regime was taken over by the Ayatollahs in Iran, and so they had a completely different regime because his um, dictatorship died with him. Um, and so that's what um, uh, Desmet talks about in his book, The Psychology of Totalitarianism. Um, one of the persons that he relies on is a researcher named Hannah Arendt, um, A-R-E-N-D-T, Arendt. Um, and what she noticed is that the difference between the, the uh, dictatorship and the totalitarian system is how they perpetuate themselves, whether it does not do any good to knock off the leader of a totalitarian system because it's, that person just sees themselves as a vessel for that ideology. Okay, and so she talks about it here where Desmond quotes her um, saying, in substance, the totalitarian leader is nothing more nor less than the functionary of the masses he leads. He is not a power-hungry individual imposing a tyrannical and arbitrary will upon his subjects. 
being a mere functionary, he can be replaced at any time, and he depends just as much on the masses he embodies as the masses depend upon him. And and Desmet kind of um, sums up by saying, uh, the leader is, so to speak, just the apex of the pyramid of the mass movement, and if he is eliminated, he will be replaced without the system destabilizing. And so that's what we're talking about, these systems like in China and the Soviet Union. Um, you know, the Soviet Union was eventually replaced. It wasn't replaced because of the death of Mikhail Gorbachev. It was basically replaced because it couldn't function anymore as a country. It basically bankrupt itself, trying to compete with the United States in their arms race. You know, that's kind of oversimplifying it, but that's basically how it happened. Uh, of course, you've had uh, China a little bit more successful um, going through Mao. They have a succession of leaders. Um, and you can see how the the leader in the, the, China, the Chinese Communist Party is basically a functionary. They see themselves as functionaries um, as regards to just carrying on the communist uh, Marxist uh, ideology in their country. That's how they see themselves. And of course, they have the people, the Chinese people in this case, as also reinforcing the, the rule, um, in this case of Xi, the current ruler of China. And so it takes the participation of the masses, you know, as in mass hysteria, and the ruler to give that um, system or the ideology some direction. Okay, and so that's opposed to, again, as I mentioned, someone like uh, Muammar Gaddafi. You know, you got rid of him that that eliminated the entire system there, um, and, and you know there are any other. Uh, number of leaders that you know once they were gone they just you know went to a new dictatorship or just their their complete uh, way of governance just completely changed and of course it's worth mentioning that you know United States is also formed under an ideology and that's why we've had a, a succession of uh, 46 uh, leaders, 46 presidents in our history is because we're led by an ideology um, by a constitution basically and the Declaration of Independence that um, kind of gives um, form to that ideology or gives expression to the ideology of the Founding Fathers you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all men are created equal. And so, even though it's not a totalitarian state, we perpetuate ourselves and the United States more or less, as it has been, although it's getting drifting farther and farther away with progressivism, but we can talk about that later, but um, we, we're also guided, because we are guided not by 
a single cult of personality. I mean, we had Kennedy, um, United States, you know, Kennedy was a huge cult of personality, a huge personality, and but he was assassinated. The United States didn't go under after Kennedy was assassinated because, again, of that ideology that was uh, described by um, our founding fathers in our, in our founding documents, Constitution, and our Declaration of Independence, and the Federalist Papers, etc. Also, after Lincoln, after Lincoln was assassinated, the uh, Union stayed together, even though we just had a, a civil war. Um, the Union stayed together because, again, we had this ideology of uh, freedom or liberty, um, all men are created equal, the rule of law. And so it's kind of what, what we would call the rule of law is what allows our Western democracies to perpetuate themselves in more or less the same form uh, generation after generation. Um, but again, in a totalitarian system, that had, that's kind of a darker side to that effect where you have the same thing. You can't just eliminate um, some figurehead and hope that totalitarian system is going to fall because it's the whole it, it there's a holistic um, idea of the totalitarian system this mass formation that includes the masses that includes the people that have been caught up in it and so and but that also uh, reminded me of uh, some of the things that you, know, you might read in 1984. Uh, again, we um, mentioned in past episodes in 1984, Orals 1984, about this book within the book um, about how you have the uh, totalitarian oligarchy and kind of the um, the handbook, as it will, that was written by the fictitious author uh, um, Emmanuel Gold Goldstein, and it describes how the the idea of the uh, the theory and practice of oligarchical collectivism by Emmanuel Goldstein, um, as shown there, and has some very insights in what uh, Goldstein is saying through this treatise on uh, Ingsoc and Big Brother is how past uh, regimes, fascist regimes and systems had failed because they were not as dedicated to the retention, complete um, retention of power over every single individual all the time and so gonna just read on that um, see um, where it says given this background one could infer if one did not know it already the general structure of oceanic society now, Oceania 
is a is the fictitious fictitious super state that's run by the figurehead Big Brother by the Ingsoc Party of Big Brother, and so it says. Um, at the apex of the pyramid comes Big Brother. Big Brother is infallible and all powerful. Every success, every achievement, every victory, every scientific discovery, all knowledge, all wisdom, all happiness, all virtue are held in issue directly from his leadership and inspiration. No one has ever seen Big Brother. He is a face on the hoardings, a voice on the telescreen. We may be reasonably sure that he will never die and there will there is always considerable uncertainty as to when he was born. Big Brother is the guise in which the party chooses to exhibit itself to the world. Okay, so here again they're even mentioning um, Big Brother as being merely the apex of the pyramid in this Ingsoc party or this totalitarian system inside 1984 and so they're using the same language I wonder if Desmond didn't have this passage in mind when he when he wrote about um, the totalitarian leader being at the apex of the, the pyramid as I just mentioned and so but in this case Big Brother uh, is the personification of the ideology okay so it's like almost if George Washington was the personification of the Declaration of Independence and Constitution all wrapped up into one and he was given this uh, made into this mythical person without a, a certain birth date and he could never be known to have born or lived or when he died um, so that's what um, this book uh, in 1984 is theorizing here and in this case the totalitarian system has just put a name a figurehead and become a mythical figurehead named Big Brother at the top of it uh, Desmet is talking about largely the same thing when he talks about how the totalitarian system the leader of the totalitarian system is not a single person that person just regards themselves as a mere functionary um, a figurehead for the ideology and it's the ideology that lives on in um, is Im immortal and then of course later on the in the book um, you have one of Winston's you know Winston's like the protagonist and O'Brien is the person assigned to basically tor torture him and re-educate him and brainwash uh, Winston uh, make make him a believer in Big Brother make him live uh, love Big Brother and so Winston or, or uh, O'Brien mentions the same thing that the party is Im immortal because the party is an idea and after he's long gone 
it won't matter because the party will live on and so you know kind of like Big Brother will live on forever so too do the members of the inner circle of the, the party they believe that they will live on forever through the Ingsoc uh, rule the totalitarian rule or the ideology of Ingsoc or Big Brother and so I thought that was kind of interesting that they had this parallel about how the systems perpetuate themselves and of course the only way to dislodge a totalitarian system is well you had the one way which we did in World War II right we had a massive war by an opposing ideology in the United States and its allies against um, the fascists and you know the, the Nazis and the fascists of Italy and, and Japan and so that was one way to have just massive world war and the other way which I think um, you know we're trying to pursue now in, in you know because we know that the left is pursuing ultimately a totalitarian system Okay, they will say that, but if you look at the logical uh, results of the things they want, the things that they're pushing for, that's what they want. When we think of the WEF um, imposing um, limits on what you can buy based upon your carbon expenditures, you know, your carbon footprint, you know, um, or you know, under under COVID you know, the, the rules, the authoritarian rules that they had under COVID. Again, it was no one person bringing down the uh, authoritarianism. You know, there was no really one leader. You know, you, you have Klaus Schwab, you know, nominally, I guess, as the World Economic Forum's leader who, is, who kind of personifies at the moment the system but that system basically started before him you know it was kind of a Marxist system kind of an, an idea that started with Marx and then went on through different successive leaders you know uh, Lenin and Stalin uh, Mussolini and Hitler and uh, Xi Mao and so they've there have been uh, different totalitarian regimes, and now you have, of course, uh, Kim Jong Un in North Korea being the figurehead of, of his, and that's another example. You know, he's been I think he's a third member of his family to have total control of his of his country, and so he is like. Big Brother, I think he is called the um, the leader. Um, can't remember the exact, you know, kind of like exalted leader or beloved leader uh, or something like that. Um, so he's not Big Brother, but he does fill that role in real life that Big Brother filled in uh, 1984. So you have real ex real life example of that 
and also he but he since he has a totalitarian regime going and every thought of the North Korean people has to be primarily in regards to benefiting the state benefiting the ideology of North Korea perpetuating the the communist system in North Korea that the, the system um, so you can see in, in real life where they try to have total control over every thought every person of course you know you can be thrown in jail North Korea just for having the wrong thought um, writing the wrong thing you cannot be a dissident um, there's no such thing as really any outspoken dissidents in North Korea the ones that you hear of are the ones that made it out out of North Korea and then later became dissident voices but there's none none inside North Korea to speak of and so you have that parallel um, to 1984 in the totalitarian state of North Korea and presumably if something were happened to Kim Jong-un well he would just have a uh, successor again um, now he's bought he's created his um, succession under the family name so it's almost a uh, inherited title at this point so he's kind of like an emperor um, so you, we don't know you know can somebody outside of the um, Kim family um, rule that country or you know would they accept a ruler outside of the Kim family we don't know they've only so far have had rulers inside um, heirs in the same lineage so we don't know yet but it would be interesting to see well for a number of reasons but just um, far as empirical research goes to see if um, he or a certain an actual person can be the head or a family can be the head of a totalitarian ideology whether or not he embodies that ideology or if there's some portion of the ideology that transcends him and even the family name um, we have yet to see that um, but getting back to what I was talking about like you have Klaus Schwab who's the you know nominal head I guess you could say of this globalist cabal you know, this, this totalitarian oligarchy uh, it's trying to to create itself um, but you notice the members of that they didn't really need uh, too much instruction because they they can intuit after a while buying into this ideology remember they're following a particular ideology now the ideology of leftism is one could say is utopianism the idea that you can have a perfect perfect society and that man's nature is perfectible and that if you could just control men just enough they will evolve into this perfect society um, this, this perfect utopian society and so that is the basic ideology now it's very you know much broader than that but that's basically it the idea 
that man is perfectible, that men can, societies can evolve. That's the whole idea of progressivism, is that societies can evolve and progress, right? And eventually we're going to have this utopian society where everybody is happy and employed and, and things like that. Um, and so that's why they in that society don't they don't believe like um, you know, they have no problem with censoring speech or jailing dissidents ultimately um, or having control of the people is because they believe that it's all for the greater good that simply you know eventually you know like Marx thought that eventually you get to the point where the people would rule themselves and they would throw away their leaders um, so far it's never happened that goes against all human nature so it probably won't happen but so we, we have the um, totalitarian state in 1984 that parallels um, what's happening in the real world both um, in communist countries but also what is being formed in the western world you know, under leftism. And so, again, what I was um, saying is that, you know, you have like Trudeau and you had Biden to a lesser extent and the Australians and the New Zealanders all coming up and a lot of the European countries all coming up with these really authoritarian schemes to um, fight COVID, you know, you had the lockdowns, and you had mask mandates, and you had vaccine passports and vaccine mandates, and you have all of this authoritarianism and all of this thrown away of natural rights, um, just, you know, your natural rights um, just, you know, got thrown in the garbage during the COVID uh, mass formation. Um, you know, we abandoned our First Amendment rights here in the United States, the right to uh, freely assemble, the right to uh, practice one's religion, the right to free speech. All of those rights were infringed upon in the name of the greater good because of this totalitarian system. And again, you know, Klaus Schwab kind of gives direction you know, and it is great reset theory, and, and of course, you know, people like Trudeau all subscribe to it. Um, but independently, everybody instinctually, I think, knew they didn't have to be told, well, what does Klaus want us to do? We're going to do that. Um, they all learned to intuit the needs of the totalitarian, totalitarian state that they were formating. Fomating, um, and so they came up with these ideas of the lockdowns and the mandates, etc. And um, the idea of controlling, you know, misinformation and disinformation and controlling free speech and doing away with a lot of rights. In the name, I guess, of the greater good. You know, this this greater good, this, in, the, in this case, the figurehead is the greater good, you know, it's the collective as a whole, you know, the globe, um, 
and so as Desmond um, would would say that's it's very hard you know there's no one person because you know if um, you know you don't need Klaus Schwab telling anybody don't you don't need Klaus Schwab telling uh, Trudeau know what to do Trudeau knows knew what to do as far as he was concerned and Biden knew what he was doing and you know the Australians and the Zealanders and the European Union all knew what instinctively what they had to do in the name of preserving their totalitarian system that they're trying to perpetuate. Right, that's now in its you could say it's in its infancy, right? But um, so there's no one person controlling the direction of everybody, and so it's very hard, and so you have to counter their ideology with a counter ideology. Now we have our own, works pretty good, it's called, you know, freedom, you know, it's called truth, justice, and the American way. And if we pursue that, and of course you have um, Christianity, the Judeo-Christian values, which are in direct competition in some places with the leftist ideology. That's why they want to do away with organized religion for the most part, um, because that's a a threat to their perpetuating this totalitarian oligarchy that they're trying to develop globally and so we can talk about that more we probably will but thank you for watching and listening and subscribing to the uh, dystopic journal hope you learned a little bit hopefully you gained some insight um, and this is why we read um, both nonfiction books like the psychology of totalitarianism and also uh, books like 1984 by George Orwell because they teach us about the world around us and their their cautionary tales and then we can see when we see things happen in real world that resembles what happened in either of these books we, we have an explanation and then because we know what these things are, at least we can identify them and hopefully counter them. Okay, so again, thank you for watching, watching and listening. And please um, like and subscribe. And hopefully you will watch also and listen to uh, Liberty Relearn Podcast, which I'm starting tomorrow. So thank you again. Until next time, stay